0: No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
1: Welcome to Name 3 Songs.
2: I'm Sarah Fagan. I'm Jenna Million, And this is a podcast where we challenge sexism in the music industry and empower fangirls. Because let's be honest, fangirls knew about that band way before you did.
1: And if you stick around long enough, we'll also let you in on some new music the girls are already crazy about.
2: And this is just a friendly reminder that we have fun bonus content on Patreon. And this month we have a special bonus episode about Tumblr bands versus MySpace bands. So if you wanna hear me and Sarah duke it out, head over to patreon.com name3songs. Or if you just wanna leave us a tip for an episode, you can do so at paypal.me slash name3songs or just come say hi on the socials. So Sarah, what are we talking about today? <laughs> Hello from future Sarah. This
1: is me coming to acknowledge that in today's episode, we do refer to Demi Lovato with she, her pronouns. This was recorded literally two days before they came out as non-binary, and unfortunately with the way podcasts are recorded, there was nothing we could do to fix this. We completely acknowledge their gender identity and are happy for them for coming to the realization that they are non-binary, and we're really excited to see what comes from them going forward. Today we are talking about something that came into our minds during our industry plant conversation, but... Was honestly too good to not give it its own episode, which is the pipeline of Disney star to pop star
2: to, to burn burnout. <laughs>
1: Because I feel like it's very easy to just automatically place Disney stars as industry plants in the music world. But I don't know if that's really the case, because I feel like Hollywood Records is like a world within itself.
2: Yeah, there's a lot going on to simplify it to just that. Truly.
1: And I feel like we're going to visit this today. We're going to visit this idea of like, what is Hollywood Records? (laughs) Why does it exist? And
2: (laughs) what is the Disney pop star industrial complex?
1: Yeah, there's so much to unpack here and I feel like we've all been aware that this is a problem. <laughs> like this is a thing that happens constantly of like if you want to be on Disney Channel, you also have to sing and you'll at least have a single put out. Like if you want to be a singer, try out for Disney Channel and you'll have something because I mean even Chrissy Carlson Romano from Even Stevens who was a good singer, she had that one weird song about the moon landing and then there was like some other single. Did you not have Disney Channel as a kid?
2: Um I did i
1: didn't i didn't have disney channel as a kid we got to watch it when i went on vacation it
2: was the best week of my life we had disney channel i just don't remember that much about christy carlson romano
1: yeah i was really obsessed with even stevens but i mean she was a good singer she played bell on broadway for a bit but i just mean like don't you remember they used to do like disney channel stars would cover songs from disney movies and they would like release albums of this no oh my god, <laughs> you missed out.
2: Yeah, clearly.
1: But it was like they didn't have commercials on Disney Channel. So like in between TV episodes or like in the commercial break, it would just be like other Disney content. And they would do like music videos sometimes. I remember
2: that. Yeah, I remember. Like the they would have
1: videos. like the Brie Larson music video would play a lot. <laughs> and like that other one where like every single Disney star sang Circle of Life or like one yeah. of those songs. yeah, you- yeah. Because everybody had to be able to sing. So I think that that's really interesting because, you know, everybody had to be a triple threat.
2: Yeah. So I guess to start out, we should kind of like define what is this quote unquote Disney industrial complex? Why does it exist? How did it come about? And there's a brilliant article in Moda Chicago by Alexandra Fiorentino-Swinton in 2020, which is a beautiful masterpiece uh, defining exactly what the Disney Channel pop star industrial complex is. So Sarah, would you like to give us some details? I just was personally so excited that this was an article
1: because when I was Googling like the keywords that I thought would come up with like hundreds of articles about this, (laughs) there, there were not. And I was like, oh my God. I made this up. This is fake. (laughs) I've just asked Jenna to do an episode about something that doesn't exist. And then I finally put in the exact right keywords and this was like the second hit and I was like, ah yes, this woman and I have the same thoughts. (laughs) But basically, what Alexandra does in this article is she breaks down when it all started. Like when Disney got the idea that like, oh we can turn children into just things that make money for us. (laughs) And at first, it didn't really work because they did the Mickey Mouse Club, which we all know like britney and justin timberlake and christina aguilera got their start on also ryan gosling and jc Shazay way back in
2: 1994 i know they were like little children children they were small (laughs) children
1: (laughs) literal children and i mean if you pay attention at all to anything about britney spears once it felt like they were starting to be successful the show just was like sorry we're canceled, no longer, go back to your life. And that's what she had to do. And that's what all of them had to do, really, which is pretty sad and also interesting. But from there, it sort of felt like disney then saw these artists start to get famous (laughs) towards the late 90s they were like oh shit we fucked up
2: yeah like britney became one of the biggest pop stars christina aguilera was also a huge pop star and then you had nsync which was a huge boy band so like by the early 2000s disney was probably like we fucked up and we're losing out money and now we need to do something about it
1: yeah because like it's too much of a coincidence that four of the biggest pop stars of the like early aughts were from the mickey mouse club and like it just blows my mind that a company that forever has been so good at like marketing movies and stuff into toys and all of these sorts of things weren't smart enough to realize how talented these
2: kids were and like didn't market off of that earlier yeah this writer didn't have any insight into that but it would be really interesting to see if anyone is ever able to unearth what went down like why did they cancel mickey mouse club and let these talented kids go Yeah. So
1: in the first 20 years of the Disney Channel, approximately, the Disney Channel mainly just played Disney movies. So not like Disney Channel originals, like we're all aware of. It mainly just played Disney movies. And then in 1997, it relaunched into like the Disney Channel we know and love today. And they started making like their own programming with like Bear in the Big Blue House and the Mickey Mouse Club, which was like not the same thing. As the Mickey Mouse Club with Christina and Brittany, it was the cartoon with like Mickey Mouse and his friends. So basically, they were making like very kid-friendly original content. And then in 1998, for those older people who listen to our podcast the like first big live action show that went on for a while was the famous jet jackson which i loved a lot but the show that really put disney channel on the map was 2001's lizzie mcguire which also gave the world hillary duff
2: oh love it my idol my first idol So essentially, you had the rise of teen pop, which was, you know, Britney and St. Christina. And this writer points out that it was kind of oversaturating the market and people were really like tired of it. And like, NSYNC was taking a hiatus. Britney and Christina were like kind of more being grown up adults now. So there Mm -hmm. was like kind of a space within the teen market. And so that's kind of when they found Hilary Duff. And while Lizzie McGuire started in 2001, they had the Lizzie McGuire movie in 2003, which was number two at the box office and Hillary Duff's first album Metamorphosis beat out Mary J. Blige to reach number one on the Billboard 100 and it was basically Avril Lavigne but family friendly
1: and the thing that was so interesting about Hilary Duff putting out music was that she was the first lead actor or actress through Disney Channel to cross over to a record deal with Hollywood Records and previously Hollywood Records basically just existed to like put out soundtracks for Disney movies they weren't really using it for anything else. So Hilary Duff really changed the trajectory of what Disney was doing because as Jenna said, they were realizing that pop music was not the same as it had been when it was being really popular. It was oversaturated and it was becoming like pretty sexy at that point of like everybody who was out. So Disney made it more accessible to young people. Yeah, And I feel like also in correlation with that, you also have Radio Disney, which I'm sure a lot of people around our age probably grew up up only listening to radio disney because it was what your parents were like okay i know what i listen to doesn't have bad words in it or whatever and i know that radio disney is not going to have stuff that has bad words in it and it's not going to be like too
2: much yeah no most definitely radio disney was definitely a staple in my childhood also
1: last year was the last year of radio disney ever
2: wow it doesn't exist
1: anymore end of an era
2: so as you said hillary duff an icon literally changing the game for what was possible for disney stars then from 2003 to 2007 you have this era of ali and aj machalka mm-hmm. raven simone sweet life of zach and cody you have high school musical in 2006 so they're yeah. starting to move into this era of like teeny pop shows that appeal to like a younger preteen audience
1: and the thing also that's I already said, but it was like everybody could sing. So it's like not just the lead of the shows. We're making music and putting out singles and having like a song in the commercial break between episodes of TV shows on the Disney channel. Like the girl who played Chelsea on Not So Raven also was singing and all that sort of stuff. So it's just really interesting because most of these people, like Ali and AJ, like were staples on Disney channel, but also at the same time, I feel like you never automatically correlate them with disney channel which is quite interesting whereas like you know hillary Duff, everybody automatically thinks disney channel yeah i don't think it's the same for them so i feel like there's all these different levels of disney fame and how you utilize disney for like what you did and didn't want out of things but disney at all times was kind of like we're gonna capitalize on you as much as we can until you figure out that That's not a good idea for you.
2: (laughs) Yeah, every last cent you can make, we are going to milk you for it. And so then enter 2007 and we have our prime cast here. We have Miley Cyrus, Demi Lovato, Selena Gomez and the Jonas Brothers. All right, they basically dominated pop culture from 2007 to 2013. I think we all probably lived through that phase. It was a huge part of our lives growing up. Revisiting this was a trip down memory lane to say the least. But most importantly, among them, they had 16 Hollywood record albums break into the Billboard top 10 with six of them hitting number one.
1: And this is wild because the thing is, is like your automatic thought is like, oh, Disney Channel stars like are doing this well, I feel like because Hollywood records also, these albums aren't viewed as like Grammy fodder even though these albums do well. I'm sure they could be an option for the Grammys. I'm not 100% sure how that worked, but that's not where people's minds are at when these people release albums. But also, those shows were so popular because we were in that sweet spot. You know how I say like in the 70s, like, oh, it was like that perfect, like five
2: to 10 year... The heyday of groupies <laughs> and rock and roll.
1: Yeah, it was like that perfect thing where everything yeah. lined up perfect. And like, if it hadn't been exactly like that, then none of that ever could have happened. And I feel like it's really similar with... what happened with Miley, Demi, Selena, and the Jonas Brothers is that everything lined up perfect, that we were still in, like, the infancy of social media, we were still in that era where people were buying CDs, we were still in, like, the era where kids are watching TV on cable, there weren't hundreds and thousands of options of, like, what there is to watch and what there is to, like enjoy as entertainment and as pop culture moments yeah and so i feel like everything perfectly lined up for disney to create this equation of like okay we want to make sure that our stars can sing and like if they want to sing we're gonna get them vocal lessons we're gonna like train them essentially they're giving them the industry print treatment
2: <laughs> that's such an important point it was the perfect timing of everything because when we look back at disney now we still see that as like the peak of like the most those stars ever did because they were doing movies they were doing musicals they were doing tv shows Mm -hmm. they were touring they were putting out records like they were doing literally everything and then like you said with kids primarily watching tv then and not really having the internet or at least not really having on-demand streaming tv was the only place to go to watch these things so you have this concentration of viewer focus and that really kind of was the last tv dynasty if that's what you (laughs) want to call it
1: well yeah and i think that also because of that when younger generations were starting on disney channel they were probably fed this image of like well look what they did while they were on disney look what you can do and if you have a better head on your shoulders imagine how much farther you can take it Mm -hmm. because they probably also use the fact that rather than admit that they've been a bad guy and like overwork these teens and like use every ounce of their abilities as possible they're probably just like oh you know it was the times or something and they're like if you do this right if you have the right team behind you think of how successful you can be think of what could have happened if they hadn't had that sort of meltdown or this hadn't happened their image got distorted or whatever excuses they have but I mean unfortunately for Disney you have Selena Gomez who never really had that so you can't be like well that's what happens to everybody and then like success dwindles Selena Gomez literally was sick and that's why her career took a break for a little while
2: we're gonna be getting into these stars and did they have breakdowns did they step away from the light what happened and I think all Also, Sarah, you found this really interesting article, surprisingly in the sun, of all places. It's titled From Selena Gomez to Miley Cyrus, Why So Many Former Disney Child Stars Have Suffered Mental Health Breakdowns, Eating Disorders, and Suicide Attempts. And they interviewed psychologists, Dr. Linda Papadopoulos, who said that these young stars had an identity they were able to profit from and get a sense of validation from. And once that changes, you don't have the same value and you feel it. And that's why we see young stars becoming hypersexualized. They want to be taken seriously as adults. And so essentially in this article they're breaking down these young stars rise to fame really quickly they're teenagers they're basically living by different rules than the rest of us like than any other normal teenager they have more money they're being overworked and they're turning to things like drugs and alcohol to like live life on the wild side and I mean like even Miley Cyrus and Demi have said they were teenagers smoking weed which all teenagers do anyways so Mm -hmm. also not a super big deal but this is why you know we kind of see this like recurring theme of like young stars turning to drugs or having mental mental health issues eating disorders whatever it is because their fame has something to do with it as well
1: yeah because I mean for example like you don't think of Hillary Duff ever having a public meltdown to any degree but I mean she was 16 dating Joel Madden from Good Charlotte was lying about the fact that they were dating and then when she was 18 it was like oh public we're dating you know and on top of that like she clearly and I think she may have spoken about this but like she suffered from a horrible eating disorder for at least two years and again you're under so much scrutiny because you get famous so quick at a young age also at the time when hillary duff was getting famous nine out of ten people in hollywood had that like heroin chic kind of look being like aggressively skinny was just what was in and she was just like a very healthy looking person she was not overweight she was not anything she just looked like a normal person you would go to high school with and i feel like that sort of changed the whole image of things like after hillary duff and like raven and that sort of first era of disney stars they stopped looking as much like the average girl you would be friends with in high school.
2: I mean, this quote that I read here, this doctor specifically pointing out like the hypersexualization, which is what we see with Miley Cyrus. You know, Disney has this really wholesome image, right? Yeah. And it's like, as soon as they turn 18, they're trying to like break out of that wholesome image that's been essentially pushed onto them their whole lives. And they're like, no, I'm an adult. I have autonomy. I'm doing what I want. And so then sometimes in certain situations, they do take it to the extreme of being like, I'm a sexual being, here I am in my power, and then... They get backlash for it, which is what happened with Miley Cyrus. Yeah.
1: And I mean, we're going to get more into that in a little bit, but I do think it's interesting how Disney very much, like as we said, your parents know that watching Disney Channel is safe. Your parents know that listening to Radio Disney is safe. They know where you can go and like not be thrown like hypersexualized people and hypersexualized music and all that sort of stuff. But also because of that, Disney doesn't really let you grow up. So even if you are an adult, like you see like even on Sweet Life of Zach and Cody, like Brenda Song and Ashley Tisdale, who were adults, they were still doing the like seven layers. Like even the mom in Sweet Life of Zach and Cody had on like three layers of tops, you know, because they don't want any chance of like things being overtly sexual. Although there was that one weird episode where they were like chemistry testing Ashley Tisdale and Zach Efron, and she was like a nature conservativist and he was anti-nature. And he was like, Do you want to kiss me as much as I want to kiss you? And then they like made out, and I was like so
2: uncomfortable. I don't remember this. That was like the most sexual I've ever seen. You're going to have to find me some YouTube receipts later.
1: I'll find you YouTube receipts later. But with all that being said, (laughs) I know that that was like a ton of information to be thrown at you guys. But the thing that is really interesting is that because of the internet, people are way more aware of this like Disney pop star industrial complex. And I think that that has been proven so well by the success of Olivia Rodrigo. Because Olivia Rodrigo did not start her career on Disney Channel. Her first acting credit was an American Girl doll movie which I love. I think that's adorable. And then she got brought into the world of Disney Channel on a TV show called Vark, which I am now remembering from when I worked at J14 but I forgot that that existed. <laughs> but most people know her if they do know her as an actress from High School Musical, the Musical the Series which took my mother 30 minutes to, to understand the premise of because she thought it was a real documentary. <laughs> but there are people who don't know that Olivia Rodrigo is on Disney Channel which is honestly a genius move and not to put words in her mouth but I feel like she just understood like I feel like she knew and in this interview with Maria Sherman for Nylon she actually talked about this briefly because like she's still working on Disney Channel so she can't really talk about it too much but what she said was that I'm very aware of that classic quote Disney pop girl archetype my music is definitely separate from my acting in a way I always dreamed would happen and she also acknowledged how people ask her oh did you say fucking driver?" license to show that you aren't a disney star she's like it's cool that people might think that but i'm just making music that i love and i feel passionate about and it's really interesting because i feel like she's skirting around the thing of like yeah disney doesn't let you do shit like disney doesn't let you be an angsty teenager like that's completely against the rules yeah and so the fact that she can exist as olivia rodrigo the pop star and then also exist as olivia rodrigo the disney channel star is honestly Incredible and just sort of proves also that Disney sort of is realizing that, like, it could possibly capitalize off of the star more if they allow her to do that. Because I never watched High School Musical, the musical of the series, but have I might do now. Yes, I have. Because people were saying how in season two, you can tell that the chemistry is gone between Olivia and Joshua Bassett. So I had to go watch the first series and the second series to understand what's happening. Was I going to do that before? Ooh.
2: No. Ooh. <laughs> Okay, I will say, speaking just broadly about Olivia's Debut into the music world. Again, the timing of things was perfect. It was just kind of like there was a lull as far as like there weren't really like a ton of super exciting music releases happening. Mm -hmm. TikTok is a thing. And I feel like we saw this blowing up on TikTok really quickly with this drama of what was the storyline behind Driver's License because there was drama and it all related back to High School Musical. So, key point there. But yeah, tell us about Olivia's career so far. Yeah. So, Olivia is actually probably the most impressive
1: person in music ever (laughs) and i'm not just saying that because i think she's awesome like genuinely this is really impressive basically olivia broke so many records with this album and with the songs that came out on this album because this is her debut album and so she's the first artist to ever start a career with her first three singles in the top 10 on the hot 100 charts which is the billboard charts which is wild but on top of that she's also the first debut artist to have two number one singles <laughs> on that because both driver's license and good for you debuted at number one on the billboard charts which is crazy and just very impressive olivia's truly it's just like i'm so excited to see where her career goes
2: but so bringing it back to our point of Look how well she's done not on Hollywood records, which I think in part has to do with the timing of things. As I said, there haven't been a lot of other major releases right now. TikTok spread that drama about High School Musical and Sabrina Carpenter really fast. Also, her release feels a proper artist release. And Hollywood record releases feel very clunky, they yeah. feel very that's clearly a Disney thing. The way they're marketed is like totally different.
1: Yeah. And I mean that's like what I was saying before is it's like, yes, Demi, Selena, and Miley and the Jonas Brothers have all done really well on their records that came out on Hollywood records, but it's mainly because they already had a huge fan base. And so unfortunately, I have to compare Sabrina Carpenter to Olivia Rodrigo because Sabrina's the only newer Disney Channel star of the same sort of like era of Disney to try and take her music career seriously but she signed to Hollywood Records rather than to like an outside record label. So Sabrina's released four albums on Hollywood Records and none of them have broken the top 20 on the Billboard charts. Her second album was number 28 on the Billboard Hot 100 and her first one was 43rd but the interesting thing is is that the single that she released as what we're all assuming was a response song to Olivia Rodriguez Go was actually on Island Records. So her fifth album is going to be on an, another record label. So it will be interesting to see the differentiation between this album, how it's promoted, how it's received, and just like the difference between the push of like her being a pop star rather than her being a disney star who releases music because i just feel like it'll be really interesting because she's really talented she's beautiful she's a good personality if you read any interviews by her but also um i don't know if like disney maybe wronged her in some way with well not wronged her but i mean like her character on girl meets world was very like the bad girl and like disney doesn't usually have that kind of character because she was like the shawn Of girl meets world because you know it was like a boy meets world spinoff. So she was like from the wrong side of the tracks, always causing mischief. So I wonder if also on top of the fact that streaming is taking over and so people are watching cable TV less and all that sort of thing, I wonder if like on top of that, her being the first sort of mischievous character on Disney for like the first time that I can really think of, I wonder if that also maybe affected the fan base situation. But I don't know.
2: Yeah. I mean, could be. I Yeah, it's hard to say. It's just interesting that it seems like Olivia learned from her predecessors. Yeah. As far as like she saw what Miley, Selena, Demi did and probably even saw what Sabrina Carpenter was doing if she already has four records out and was like, I don't think I want to follow in those footsteps. But as far as we know, she hasn't like said anything specific about that other than in an Elle interview, she said that she had some unique pressures and that most 14-year-olds aren't in a room with adults being like so what's your brand so I mean being that young she definitely took the time to like figure out what exactly she wanted which so far is working out for her really well
1: well I think also Olivia started on Disney in 2016 and she didn't start doing music seriously until like later whereas Sabrina Carpenter started on Disney by guesting on an episode of Austin and Alley in 2013 and then Girl Meets World started in 2014 so that means that they started filming Girl Meets World right at the end of the really peak time of Disney Channel success. Ah, I so see. I think also on top of all of that Sabrina's first album came out in 2015 so I think she probably already was locked in because it's like oh look at what your predecessors were doing like look at the success so I feel like if she came into it already being like oh look we have a triple threat coming in perfect amazing we're gonna pick up where we left off with the original generation of success from all of this and then push them straight into it I'm pretty sure that probably after that it probably wasn't as automatic because people are seeing what's happening to these Disney stars even just two years later
2: yeah entirely makes sense so should we go back in time to see what exactly happened with miley demi and selena
1: yeah, let's hop in that time machine to the year 2006. I am full-fledged in my MySpace face. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so, Miley Cyrus, while she grew up, basically within the music and movie world because of Billy Ray Cyrus, she auditioned for Hannah Montana at age 11. Oh my god. 11. She was locked in for this, although the actual series went on from 2006 to 2011 when she was ages like 14 to 19. From Hannah Montana, she had two numbers one singles, she had three top five sound Tracks and of course she ended up signing with hollywood records for her first couple albums so she had yeah. meet miley cyrus in 2007 breakout in 2008 and then can't be tamed in 2010 and not only was she putting out soundtracks with like hannah montana she was the first actor within the walt disney company to have deals in television film consumer products and music so we said hillary duff set the record before miley cyrus really doubled down on this and uh, said i can do better and so she was kind of like the first one that ignited this and got this going with selena and demi also
1: but also miley figured out i think earlier than the others which is interesting because like Miley left Hollywood Records before everybody else did because Demi didn't leave until recent but I think Miley's like trajectory of trying to shake that Disney image with like whatever leeway Hollywood Records was gonna give her was pretty interesting because I mean she had Can't Be Tamed and she put that out on Hollywood Records so she was clearly trying to like get away from that good girl image but I don't know like (laughs) like Like, I don't want to speculate too much, but it's, like, what did they have on her that, like, she just kept staying when, like, she clearly wanted to break out? She had a record contract that she had to fulfill.
2: Oh, yeah, true. She had a four-album deal, but... I read that she like parted ways like immediately after releasing Can't Be Tamed. She she, she was just like, I fulfilled my deal. Time to cut the cords. I am no longer a Disney star. And just like got the hell out of there as fast as she could.
1: Well, they didn't protect her. Like they didn't protect her at all. They're like, you need to be a good girl. And if you're not, we don't know you. But you still put music out under our name.
2: So in 2008, there was like a series of incidents, first one involving a picture of her in her swimsuit or underwear that was like leaked from her Gmail account. Mm -hmm. And then also the Vanity Fair cover shoot with Annie Leibovitz, which we talked about in our Miley episode where she's basically wearing like a a blanket in the front and her back is exposed. And like she came under fire for both of those instances. And then when she was 18 in 2010, there was like the instance with her like smoking salvia in a bong.
1: Yeah, I feel like that was really
2: what put the nail in her coffin in a lot
1: of ways of like people being like, who is she? What's happening here? We're not
2: okay with this was like that video. because She was kind of like the first Disney star who was like, being a rebel like publicly yeah. being a rebel because mm-hmm. I mean like Hillary Duff didn't really do anything that publicly and Vanessa Hutchins I think there was also like a 2008 incident, th- or yeah, maybe she 2007 had new- she had News leak. yeah but she, she did have done the high school musical and she was kind of like out so I mean this was like yeah. a relatively new thing and Miley like, essentially was like the face of Disney at this point
1: she also had like that weird feud with Lena and Demi where like she was friends with this girl Mandy who I think was her backup dancer maybe and Mandy was like older than Miley and there was that whole feud where Demi and Selena were like scene they were like kind of like myspace kids and they did youtube videos together while they were on disney channel and then mandy and miley also had like the mandy and miley show that they did on youtube and there was like this thing where selena and demi did a video and they were like very hyper probably high looking back on things now and miley and mandy dressed up like selena and demi and like made fun of them verbatim and that was wild and i'm surprised that there wasn't like i mean i guess they sort of played up on it because they made selena and miley like rivals on Hannah Montana but I don't know it's just interesting that that was also happening and like there were all these situations where like Disney could have intervened and they did nothing and I'm like why are you not protecting your stars? Especially just like when they're doing all this when they are capitalizing off of them so much by being like, yeah, you're going to have records come out under our label. Like you're going to put movies out. You're going to do everything. Your contract is for as long as we can possibly keep you under contract, you know, like they're having them do so much for them. And it's like they at that time was nothing really in place to keep these kids safe. And I mean, like Demi Lovato is like a perfect example of this, of how much she went through and like. What was going on?
0: <laughs> Who was there for her? I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press 1. If you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press 2. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com right now and play over 100 social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today. At LuckyLandSlots.com, available to players in the U.S. excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. It's time for today's Lucky Land horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say: your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over a hundred social casino style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today. so
2: of course we already have our Miley Cyrus episode where we get into all the nitty-gritty details of what exactly went down the 2013 MTV music video awards with bangers and we can't stop but it was a big old mess <laughs> Miley really just came out guns blazing of I'm not a kid anymore I can do whatever I want and as I mentioned earlier kind of like showing her sexuality off because she can so that's our first case and scenario of this going down but Demi Lovato also a huge example of this as well
1: and Demi Lovato unlike Miley who Miley signs up for a full-fledged Disney show so you know that you're in contract for a while like Demi Lovato signs up for a movie series and for most people it's like just another like Disney Channel throwback moment like Ryan Merriman was in a decent amount of Disney Channel original movies including my all-time favorite The Luck of the Irish smart house, which has caused me to never have an Amazon Alexa in my home (laughs) (laughs) and ring of endless light which also starred Misha Barian. So (laughs) there could be people who were just like Disney Channel original movie stars and like not Disney Channel TV stars. Like they were two different things. But it felt like, again, Disney was like, we need to capitalize off of these people more. But so Demi signs on to do Camp Rock. She's not signing on to do a TV show. So 2008, that's when she first comes into the world on Disney Channel. And Camp Rock also stars the Jonas Brothers. And it does so well. And like, Previous to this, the Jonas Brothers are already a band putting out, I dare to say, pop punk music. And Demi Lovato is unknown, but Camp Rock skyrockets her into success and fame. And so, very quickly, Disney's like, oh, okay. And she signs a record deal with them right off the back of Camp Rock. So, she hadn't signed one to begin with because they didn't know if it was going to do well. Whereas, like a TV show, you know. You're signing on for a TV show like <laughs> that's already been approved. People are going to be fans of it. So you have Demi putting out music and being in a series of Disney Channel original movies. And then following that, she gets signed to like a Disney Channel TV show. And obviously, like, I don't know what the contract was. I could have been in the works the whole time, but it's also could have not been.
2: So... 2008 camp rock 2008 also she puts out her debut record called don't forget on hollywood records which debuts at number two so that camp rock fame really did a lot for her debut and then 2009 she starts Sunny with a Chance, which yeah. goes for two years until 2011. And in 2009, she puts out her second record, which debuted at number one. Yeah. So she was a really big deal at this time. And then, of course, there was Camp Rock, 2 as well. And then from there, I think she really just like ended up focusing on her music career yeah. and continues to put out records on Hollywood Records, which she didn't leave until 2015 with her fifth album, which is why I think they have this four-album deal for everyone. She was with them for a while. She would have been... 21 when her fourth album Demi came out.
1: And the thing that is interesting with Demi Lovato is that I feel like she wanted to be a singer first, but also had already been in acting, so it's like, okay. And I feel like also at that time, it's like, you get an offer from Disney, and you're like, oh my god, all my dreams are about to come true. Because also at that time, there's no poster child horror story. Like, you sort of have Lindsay Lohan, but like, not really because Disney Channel wasn't the same thing when she was doing Disney Channel movies. Because again, as I said, like, being a Disney Channel movie star and being a Disney Channel TV star were also two different things. Whereas now, they sort of just like recirculate talent like Netflix does. So it is interesting that sort of after Stunning with a Chance ended that Demi went full force into singing and that Disney was like number one okay with it but number two that she was okay with it because I feel like she probably at that point had enough money that if she wanted to leave she probably could have gotten out of the contract
2: yeah I mean I feel like you could say that for any of these people but the thing with Demi is that to me she didn't really lash out in public it was more so that she went through a lot of like eating disorder depression struggling with her mental health and all of these things which we knew about in the public but it wasn't like she didn't have a quote-unquote like bangers era like weird performance in public
1: yeah like miley was like the preacher's daughter (laughs) like i'm gonna go like tits out guns blazing (laughs) like gotta rebel and like demi was very much like the inner struggle the inner stress because I mean also when you think about it like Miley comes from an industry family. Demi comes from a family where she's the breadwinner. Two very different situations. So Miley's like rebelling because she thinks it's cool and Demi's like rebelling in her own sense because she's been overworked. It's so much to handle and also she was struggling with her weight which Again, as we know, media loves that. And so they latch on to these things. And so they're bullying a teenager through a lot of her career of like, oh, what's Demi going to look like this time? Like we haven't seen her in three months. Is she going to be skinny? Is she going to be chubby? Who knows? So there's lots of like that battles. And- When you're in Hollywood
2: and when you're young in Hollywood, if anybody hears you even saying anything, they're like, oh, want some cocaine? That'll take care of it. Yeah. I mean, even Zac Efron said he was addicted to cocaine at one point. But in 2016, she told American Way magazine, quote, I lived fast and I was going to die young. I didn't think I would make it to 21. And that the first time she checked into rehab was when she was 18 to deal with her eating disorder cutting and substance abuse 18 like this is a thing and like she's talked about this is like when she was younger because her and selena started on the barney tv show so like from a young age she was already in the spotlight and then once she started becoming a teenager and like her body was developing she realized that she was a different shape than like all the stick figures she saw on tv so she basically just like stopped eating in order to like be the same size as everyone else which of course built up into these issues to the point where she's 18 and she's checking into rehab. If you a look back at
1: like Camp Rock or Sunny with a Chance and like you know what Demi looks like when she's taking care of herself she definitely was so skinny like really skinny but as I said
2: at the start of this episode like that was all we had to look at like that was all there was yeah it was the norm at that point point. and following her like stint in rehab she found out that she was diagnosed with bipolar disorder and then she said that it made a lot of sense and she felt like she could start like to take back control of her life
1: she's been through so much and she's been really like open and honest about it but I feel like the world hasn't been nice to her about the fact that she's been open and honest with it which is quite upsetting because this is the thing that I can't wrap my head around it's like if somebody who's a celebrity comes out and is like yeah I had an eating disorder I was doing drugs I was suffering why would you continue to like talk about her weight why
2: would you continue to do this yeah she's called that out like a lot publicly before even to this day she's like why would you purposely comment on my body when you know this is something that I struggle with
1: yeah cause I mean like I have my own qualms with the fact that Demi Lovato has been in the spotlight for so long and like definitely has surrounded herself with yes people like I feel like if she had better people in her life she probably wouldn't have had as much of an issue because somebody would
2: have noticed and been like but like you can say that about all these well, yeah. celebrity stars well I feel like
1: most of especially in like our generation of people like with the internet and all these things like when Lindsay Lohan and Paris Hilton and all of them were like fucking up it was like what else are you gonna do like that's all there was. <laughs> that was like all that was happening. I don't know. I just feel like we reached a point where we had lost so many people at such a young age from like drug overdose and other issues in the celebrity zeitgeist that by the point that Demi was like famous and suffering there should have been a support network there for her there should have been other people there because like she said before that like people would just like get her drugs they would just get them for her and so that's the thing is it's like they were enablers and that's what's so frustrating is it's like if you enable somebody who has an addiction issue like that's why she's relapsed before because just bad people around somebody you know
2: yeah and she also has said like so she did a 2020 interview with Harper's Bazaar and which she said do I wish that I had had more downtime yes I think when you're a teenager and you're given your big break you'll do anything to make it happen I do feel that A lot of the way some of my life was handled and lived led me to kind of having a bit of a downfall just because I was so overworked and I wasn't dedicating enough time to my mental health or my personal life. And this is like the thing that we keep coming back to when we talk about these young stars. Children have parental supervision for a reason until they're 18. And I think when they're being worked like this for a company like Disney Channel, I think Disney Channel has a hand in they should be liable in getting them help when they need Help, yeah, it's so
1: sad and so horrifying that like they put in so much work and like they wanted it, like they wanted to be singers, they wanted to be successful, they wanted all these things, but it's crazy. she put out two albums in the span of a year basically. That's insane like that's so much work especially for a young person to go through and I mean there was also this article on E! by Kendall Fisher in 2016 called here's what eight former Disney stars had to say about leaving the channel and they pulled like quotes from other interviews so this is pulled from a Billboard magazine interview that Demi did and Demi was saying how we joked around that it was Disney high except for we were all shooting shows and really overworked I joke that I sometimes have PTSD after leaving the channel because if my schedule starts to get too busy I rebel and I get bitchy and like that's just so sad they've just been through so much and they've all had their like separate battles like it's just so interesting how much people talked about like what Miley was doing when like she was just being a rebellious teenager like in the spotlight whereas like Demi was going through it and she was given so much shit For going through it. And it's just so upsetting, especially when somebody's as open and honest as she has been about her. Drug issues and her mental health issues that people have still just like been mean to her in like unacceptable ways because they think it's okay to criticize some of her behavior because like she has said a lot of questionable things but I think that there's a huge difference between like criticizing somebody for like just being such a famous person that like you don't know how to function and like bullying somebody because they gain weight or like have a mental health disorder
2: yeah there is a big difference and sadly Demi Lovato is like one of the prime example of our generation
1: with. Miley, Demi, and Selena, we have like three very different cases of what happened. So in the example of Selena, she starts on Disney Channel in 2007 with Wizards of Waverly Place, which lasted until 2012. And in 2008, she signed with Hollywood Records. But she signed with Hollywood Records as Selena Gomez and the scene, which I'm obsessed with (laughs) because she wanted to do something different, which I think is iconic and such a move. And also just like shows that she wasn't faking it on her fun little scene kid... YouTube channel she had with
2: Demi. Yeah, I read that because people gave her shit for being a fake scene kid. That's why she named her band that. <laughs> <laughs> so, similar to Demi, she released albums in 2009, 2010, and 2011, all with Selena Gomez in The Scene, which all peaked in the top 10 of the Billboard 200. So again, we have not only is she doing her TV show, she's also doing these records back to back, also touring, and also seeing like quite a bit of commercial success for this.
1: And I mean, again, it's just a really crazy thing of proving
2: just how successful somebody can be
1: from a TV show. Cause like that's the thing. Again, like as I mentioned earlier about Olivia Rodrigo, is that a lot of us didn't even know she was on TV and she just became a pop star. Whereas with Selena Gomez, As a Disney Channel star, you're attracting a specific type of audience and that's who's going to go and buy your records. And so the interesting thing with this is, is that like these records are put out like in this Disney bubble. And so even though they're doing really well, they're like not getting the same attention that like a normal record's going to get.
2: They're not getting the same critical acclaim. Yeah, exactly. Because they're not really taken as seriously because they are in that Disney bubble.
1: Yeah, because, like, if you go and you search these albums, like, they've been reviewed. But, like, people aren't paying attention to the fact that they're out. So, like, even though, like, Billboard or whoever may have reviewed this album, they're not
2: sending it out into the world being like,
1: pay attention to this record. It's number two on the Billboard charts, you know? Whereas,
2: like, Olivia Rodrigo's debut feels very different than that. Like, feels very separate. So, I wonder, like, is it because there's a stigma around Disney? Is it because there's a stigma that it's for teen girls and young children? Probably I think, I think it all ties back to
1: that in some way. But I mean, if you just think about it, like while Selena's putting out music through Disney Channel, doing her Disney channel channel stuff, she's also dating Justin Bieber. <laughs> and so she's in the spotlight in that way of like dating the biggest thing to exist in pop music for like probably 10 years because everybody was like so obsessed with Justin Bieber at that point. And so I feel like that also must have been pretty wild for her of like existing in that Disney bubble, but also still really existing in like the public eye because Justin Bieber was so talked about and people were just watching with bated breath to see what was going to happen. I feel like she was in the spotlight earlier on in her career than Demi or Miley would have been, because I feel like at any time Miley or Demi were reported on outside of like the Disney bubble was because they did something wrong that was like pushing the boundary of what Disney Channel was. Whereas Selena is not doing anything wrong; she just has a boyfriend. And they're like constantly just waiting to see what's going to happen between them. And so I feel like also in that sense, because she wasn't in the press for doing something outside of what's expected from of a Disney starlet, I feel like that also sort of made it easier for her to slide into being an adult because people were used to her showing up to like the Billboard Awards, showing up to like respectable places.
2: Yeah, like she didn't have as much of a stigma to like, get rid of basically
1: yeah the world was already used to her existence in places that like disney stars aren't usually invited to
2: Yeah, that makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. So after her three albums with Selena Gomez in the scene, she started going solo with her first record Stars Dance in 2013, which still was on Hollywood Records. It wasn't until her fifth album that she went over to Interscope. But in 2014, she was on her international tour for this solo record and she had to check herself into a rehab facility because she was burned out and depressed. And it turns out she was diagnosed with lupus, which is a chronic autoimmune disorder, which was severe enough to require chemotherapy and sent her to the ICU for two weeks. So she kind of just gets like slapped in the face with this thing she didn't know she had, which was probably made so much worse by the amount that she was working.
1: Yeah. So Selena really got thrown a punch. As we already said, it seems like this Hollywood record deal is for records. So at this point where she gets like slapped in the face with a disease that knocks her out and sort of puts things on hold for a little bit is when, if she is preparing, which in the future we know she was preparing to leave Disney that's the last thing you want to happen is like when you're preparing to like make your adult debut into the world as an artist for everything to stop against your wishes
2: And so in this 2021 interview, actually, with Vogue, she talks about how during that time frame, she basically just like pushed through it and like kept going and kept working, probably because of what you just said of like she's coming off of leaving Disney. She said that she felt like she not that she didn't deserve her fame, but like she had something to like live up to. She had something to prove and that. While she continued acting and putting out records, she also retreated to treatment centers for two more prolonged stays in 2016 and 2018.
1: She was dealing with a lot. And I feel like that's also why it's so sporadic when, like, you do see her in things. She's done like, serious movies. She's done so much stuff with her career, I feel like. But also, on top of that, it's like she kind of disappears from the world for a little while, but it's because she's not
2: well. So, I mean, this is kind of like the alternative to the a very public breakdown, burnout mm-hmm. scenario of things going amiss and being like, I need to step away from the public for a minute and take time for myself. And Hillary Duff kind of did the same thing as well. And it's scary, I think probably for these people because they don't know if their careers are gonna be there when they're able to come back into the public eye. And that's yeah. probably why people like Selena just keep pushing through it because they don't wanna stop because they don't know a life without working at this level.
1: Yeah, definitely. And I mean, back to that e-article that nicely compiled... All of, the, all of the quote. I thought that Selena's was also really interesting because she was saying I knew deep down that this wasn't what I wanted to do. Being exhausted of forcing something that wasn't right. I had to have moments where I was crying and I was like why am I not in love with what I do? I was forced to get very uncomfortable for a while in order to make the decisions I made which is just like so heartbreaking and I feel like it's really sad. It's really heartbreaking and it's also really interesting because I feel like as somebody who like watched the Jonas Brothers go from like a respected band Band, to a Disney Channel thing to like now being a respected band again just as an outsider perspective it felt like that was the same thing for them like when I ever watched that Disney Channel show that they were on it just felt like they were doing something because they were told they had to do it. Like it didn't,
2: it didn't feel like they wanted to be there. Most definitely. You know, we often talk about how women are more scrutinized within the public and the media and the Jonas brothers were almost just as big a stars as, you know, Celine and Demi and Miley were at this time. Mm -hmm. And yet they kind of had a very different trajectory, even from these three. And they definitely didn't get as much scrutiny for being part of Disney, although they feel like they did. So just to rewind history a bit in 2005, they signed to Columbia records and the the following year they put out their debut album which didn't do very well commercially so Columbia dropped them in which Disney swooped in to sign them in 2007 so not only are they immediately signed to Hollywood Records they also get the camp rock deal which as we mentioned came out in 2008 and 2010 and as yeah. well they have the TV show Jonas which is loosely based around their lives which only ran for two seasons and it was kind of a flop
1: no Disney channel show ever falls as forced as Jonas did that show just felt uncomfortable it felt like they were kind of not wanted to be over there it. they yeah. were over it they had that weird like crossover with Hannah Montana like there was all that weirdness going on there and I think also the Jonas Brothers as I said at the beginning they sort of started off with like that pop punk aesthetic of things like you look at their first album art like it's like the black and red the vibes were very pop punk-esque they're from New Jersey what else can I say but It's interesting because then from there, and like I wasn't like a huge Jonas Brothers fan, so you guys can come at me if I'm wrong with this but I feel like once they started with Disney it really pushed the narrative of like the purity rings and of that whole thing because I know that it already existed but it felt very much like that was in the forefront like I don't have a single J14 magazine that or Tiger Beat that they weren't on the cover of that was like they talk about having purity rings they talk about having a first kiss or like having girlfriends while you're still wearing a purity ring and like this whole
2: obsession with the whole virgin thing was like a bit much I feel like there's enough to unpack there for a whole other episode, but it is worth pointing out that number one, since then they have very publicly said that they were not actually trying to promote the purity ring thing. They just had warned them, I guess, and their dad was a pastor or something, but it wasn't necessarily their personal beliefs, but then it kind of just got like tied into that. And then like Miley, Selena Demi also being part of that crew. And I think that's the other thing is like the women probably got more scrutiny with ever you know having romantic relationships or like the sexualization of them because of the Mm -hmm. fact they had these purity rings and it seems like Jonas Brothers nothing ill really ever was said about them even after coming out saying we didn't really believe in the whole purity ring thing but then also Nick was the youngest and Kevin and Joe were older and so by time they were on Camp Rock in 2008 Joe was already like 19 he would have been about to turn 20 so When they're doing this Disney thing, really Nick is more appropriate age with like Miley, Demi, Selena. And so the other two being older is probably why that show felt so forced.
1: Because it was like adults doing that very like slapstick teen comedy sort of thing and they like looked their age you know so that was also kind of uncomfortable I mean on top of that I mean like there was a whole like Joe Jonas dating Demi Lovato thing like Nick dating I think both Miley and Selena some love triangle nonsense was going on there there was a lot happening but I think what Jenna said about like the sexualization thing also I think that there was also that thing like when Miley was dating Nick of like oh is she gonna corrupt him like she's had these photos out she's had these things out and him and his purity ring and it was like the public obsession with those purity rings I think it was kind of unfair to the girls that they were involved with and like surrounded by because Disney already has
2: that virgin wholesome image and then there's all that added nonsense on top of that. And also as we mentioned earlier like in 2007 Vanessa Hudgens had some nude photos that leaked and this was right at the time when the Jonas Brothers were signed to Disney and so Joe Jonas did a lengthy essay for New York Magazine in 2013 in which which he recalls this scenario. And he said, we'd hear execs talking about it and they would tell us that they were so proud of us for not making the same mistakes, which made us feel like we could never mess up. We put incredible pressure on ourselves, the kind of pressure that no teenager should ever be under. So it's like, even then, like literally the execs are being like, look at these girls doing things wrong. You're so much better than this because you're a smart boy. And then they're like, well, fuck, we can like never do anything wrong. But also in 2007,
1: who the fuck's leaking dick pics? Like, if somebody's hacking for celebrities, they're looking for girl nudes. They're not looking for a dick pic because it's so much harder to tell who the dick belongs to.
2: <laughs> <laughs> like, unless feel- like something to compare it to. <laughs> That's also an argument for another time. <laughs>
1: I'm just saying like it's just (laughs) that whole thing where it's like the fact that they were like being compared to and being put on this pedestal compared to like these girls on Disney that's so fucked up because number one that puts them under pressure but also it's like you can't compare apples to oranges it's two completely different things and they come from different backgrounds like there's so much there's so many variables that go into that and it's just so frustrating and I guess Joe really likes to out Disney for being trash because he also wrote something for Vulture (laughs) Um, and in this he said because of Disney there were so many things throughout our career that we had to sugarcoat if a lyric was slightly sexual someone at the record company would tell us we had to change it. It felt like we couldn't be creative so we stopped listening to them and just started handing shit in <laughs> and it's like it's just so funny because like my image of the Jonas Brothers as a side character fan I just always thought of them as like oh they would guest star in an episode of Seventh Heaven you know like they just felt very like good Christian values yeah like I would never even think about them trying to do anything slightly sexual so yeah. the fact that he's saying something like that I'm like oh wow that would but, have never entered my head
2: yeah but like even after they left disney they didn't really do anything to rebel that's the other thing i mean they
1: all kind of had like a justified album like they all kind of had like well, well yeah so for like Kevin. they ended
2: up break like the Jonas Brothers broke up in 2013 and then they did their separate albums and Kevin had his weird reality TV show Married to Jonas or whatever.
1: Their trajectory is quite interesting because it seems like Disney also broke apart the brother bond because yeah. that created like a rift because number one there's that age disparity so there's different things that they're all going through because of being on Disney but also it's like if any of them wanted to do something different and some of them might have wanted to like suck up to Disney like I mean they've talked about it since then but it is interesting how they never had like that Justin Bieber freak out there was no punching paparazzi nothing like that
2: yeah I feel like it was because they came to Disney when they were a bit older mm-hmm. and they left pretty quickly after. Like they yeah. weren't really around with Disney for that long. And so I think they weren't as like entrapped in that stuff. But actually this is interesting because when Joe Jonas wrote those things about saying like they felt like they were trapped creatively and like Disney was controlling them, mm-hmm. Cole Sprouse actually like did this whole Tumblr post response absolutely calling out as bullshit. He's like if you wanted to say no to Disney, you could have and like was saying it was like a bull- thing to be like creatively repressed because of Disney. And he said that like him and Cole Sprouse, because they had been acting from a really young age, they knew you could push back and do things.
1: But I think also with acting, it's probably different because music can very much have its own life outside of Disney if yeah. it gets in the right hands yeah. whereas being on the Sweet Life of Zack and Cody is not going to like get in the right hands like nobody's going to like misinterpret the Sweet Life of Zack and Cody you know this is very it's, true it, so it's it's very different and Cole Spross is up his own ass so you know <laughs> but yeah so I think it is it is really interesting because I feel like it all really does boil a lot back down to just girls are very much treated differently the Jonas Brothers were viewed as something to again sell to young girls because as we said they were older they already had somewhat of a fan base and Disney was like oh they're cute let's bank on this like every generation of Disney has had like one show with like the male as the main lead character so we have like Phil of the Future Famous Judge Jackson and like even Stevens I can't think of anything else
2: and Sweet Life of Zack and Cody
1: yeah that whatever
2: <laughs> I feel like I feel like Sweet Life at Zack
1: and Cody like yes they main characters but also Ashley Chisdale and Brenda Song were just as important to that show that's fair So that's why I always forget it. But anyway, so there's not as many. So I feel like the Jonas Brothers coming in and like a show revolving just around them was also quite interesting on top of all of that. But just seeing how being in the spotlight negatively affected so many of these people, especially because they were overworked. is just really interesting because I feel like also Disney was not doing anything to like help them feel comfortable even though they were like oh it was like disney high school but you're like overworked it's like but there's no it's it it always comes back to like nobody's protecting anyone nobody's there to like have anybody's back and i mean i listened to this podcast episode like elle mills who's like a youtuber she also has this podcast called crazy stupid fangirls and she spoke to karan barar who was on jesse and he played like one of the sons of like the rich person that like jesse was nannying for these kids or whatever that's debbie ryan (laughs) Debbie Ryan is Jesse but anyway so Elle Mills asked her on like oh like was there anything that Disney was like you can't do this Disney's in charge of everything (laughs) and he answered in like the most Disney media trained way possible which I just thought was really iconic which was like he answered the question by not answering the question at all by saying that like oh we actually had like this Disney 101 class so like he answered it with a really interesting answer but like not the answer she was looking for but he basically was saying how like they have this class called Disney 101 which essentially is just like life 101 and like teaches how to like act on social media and like how to protect yourselves from like what's going on in the world right now and how he was saying how like oh like if you ever feel unsafe or like unwell like you can tell us and like we have like teams here to help you so at least it seems like Disney's
2: trying to learn from their mistakes but like too little too late maybe I don't know so in 2018 there's an article titled From Britney to Demi Lovato How Disney Raised a Generation of Troubled Stars in the Telegraph by Alice Vincent and she t- talks to a child and adolescent psychotherapist named Allison Roy who says I think some questions need to be asked about the roles of these professionals who may be just playing lip service to psychologist support are they able to say that a child isn't well enough or well supported enough to perform are their individual needs ever assessed so I mean like to your point are they just doing this as a cover-up are they really checking in with these kids you know making sure they're okay because in 2012 Gary Marsh who is or was the president of Disney channels worldwide told the Hollywood reporter quote people know that we don't control who these individuals are and we don't try to that's the parents job and then he goes on to say it's not fair to lay that at the feet of a network that discovered these people it's not fair when you're the ones overworking them it's not fair to put that responsibility on you
1: that's just shocking because i feel like disney also is like pretty aware that like these kids are like the breadwinners for their family like a lot of them so like that's just wild can you imagine like going into a a job like that that's your whole entire life and then being like sorry we have no support here your parents have to do that
2: you know what's crazy is you just saying that reminded me of like the megan harry interview with oprah where she was like i tried to get help for my depression Mm -hmm. and they just turned me away like the people who were supposed to be helping her literally just turned her not disney but Yeah,
1: I know, but it's the same thing. It's like a conglomerate that's there that's like actually in charge of your whole life. And they're like, We're here, we're your family, but like not for anything serious. But not if you
2: actually need help.
1: Sorry, baby. (sighs) Nothing. We're just here for like the glory and the money, not not to help you, but like we're gonna make you pretend think that we're here for you, but we're not. And this this, is it's just so upsetting because like just imagine because like a lot of these kids are teenagers so they have to go to school on set they have to do these things why is there not just something there to help them to just like teach them coping mechanisms or like anything like there's there's so there's so much there there's so much oh they could have done so much to like help these people and it just would have mitigated what had happened I think like I don't think it would have stopped anything like I think that you're gonna have problems no matter what especially when you come into fame that young but I think it would have lessened the effect if they had like helped
2: yeah probably so I feel like to wrap things up I'm seeing kind of like two themes here So we have, as we mentioned previously, Olivia Rodrigo, who chose to keep her music separate from Disney. So I guess, you know, we're all going to be paying attention to whether or not she has a public meltdown (laughs) or if she's safe. So I think like also
1: the other thing, aside from like seeing what happens with Olivia Rodrigo and seeing like if this step of like separating her music from her acting if that helps to some degree is also watching and seeing like how these other people coming out of disney who were on disney channel shows or who are on disney channel shows like what happens with them now that they're young enough to have like sort of grown up watching what happened to like miley demi and selena and the jonas brothers because i mean as we already said sabrina carpenter's like 20 or 21 and so she got signed on to Disney like right at the end of that heyday and she seems fine (laughs) and like is still acting and still doing stuff with Disney but as I already said like she's now signed to Island Records so I mean it's the people who are on these shows that like I don't even know about because I've aged out of Disney so somebody like Dove Cameron or the people who are on shows like Ant Farm or probably that Bizarre Dwork show. I don't...
2: Because also, (laughs) like, I mean, Zendaya has aged out of Disney, and she has done quite well so far. She hasn't had any, like, public mishaps. True, but then we also
1: have Bella Thorne,
2: so... Yes, same era. So it's interesting. I feel like case studies
1: are probably being done on the whole Disney pop industrial complex idea probably right now at like yeah university level you know because i feel like a lot of us are really interested in what happened there and what is still happening there and there's just a lot to unpack and it just like all really boils down to just like not giving people the support that they need when you're
2: training somebody to be famous basically yeah. treating these people like actual human beings And not a means to an end to make money.
1: Yeah. And also just like expecting teenage girls to like stay teenage girls forever. And like not want to do anything other than like be that person wearing like seven t-shirts under a tank top forever it's the complete opposite of horny yet virginal at the same time (laughs) is what Disney is doing they're just like virginal forever please k thanks and if you go outside of that we don't know you but you still have to make us money so I just have one question before we leave you guys with all of this to ruminate on do you think that there is hope for Disney Channel stars like do you think (laughs) that there's hope that like this cycle can stop
2: Okay, well, it is really promising that Olivia Rodrigo has, like, noticed that there's a cycle, and it Mm -hmm. seems like she's trying to not be part of it. So I am hopeful. She seems so young and so just, like, fresh-faced. Like, I don't want anything bad to happen to her. We must protect her at all costs. Mm -hmm. But like you said, I don't really know what Disney stars there are right now. So, I mean, we can always hope. We can always hope that the next generation will be treated better. But at the end of the day, their children, they're in vulnerable positions and it's up to the parents and the executives to take care of them.
1: So I want to know what you guys think (laughs) is there hope for the future of Disney stars and the people who have recently left. Do you think that we're still waiting for a meltdown or do you think that they've passed that period and we're in the clear and maybe this cycle has finally stopped? Let us know your thoughts. You can find us on social media. We're at Name3Songs, Twitter, Instagram, wherever you want to come find us. Or you can talk to us personally if you have beef or whatever. I am at Sarah underscore Fagan and Jenna is at Jenna underscore Million. So thanks for joining us on Name3Songs. Until next time, never let anyone make you go bad about your favorite band.
2: And remember, you're never too cool to listen to Olivia Rodrigo.
1: Don't forget to subscribe to be notified when each episode comes out and leave us a five-star review. It
2: really helps. If you want to find out more about any of the sources we referenced in this episode, you can visit name 3
0: That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW group. prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.
2: Hey, podcast listener. Do you love talking about movies, music, TV, comics, and games? Then you should be listening to The Great Pop Culture Debate, back in bigger than ever for season nine. This season, the panelists discuss the best James Bond film, the best Elton John single, the best Nickelodeon original series, the best Batman villain, and so much more. Find the show wherever you listen to podcasts or head to GreatPopCultureDebate.com. More than 100 topics are already available. Subscribe today.